Our first reading for this afternoon is from the first chapter of Jeremiah. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. and Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. And the Lord said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come. And every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls, all around, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold... I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you. They shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the 21st chapter of Matthew. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. If 
You tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For God, John, came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard, and put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season." Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. When it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation with the third article of the creed. What is the third article of the creed? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and to all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This third article of our creed deals with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and especially the work that we, in the scriptures, ascribe to the Holy Spirit, one of which is the greatest, that the Holy Spirit keeps me in the true faith. And this is such a precious statement, because the world around us does not want us to have faith in Jesus. The unbelieving world we live in wants us to have faith in anything else other than God. So it is the Holy Spirit and his work in you that you believe at all. That in and of itself is evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. If you even believe an iota of what the scriptures say, that is not done by our efforts or by our own works, but purely by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Truly, the greatest fruit, if you will, that the scriptures speak of. And in that working within us, the Holy Spirit also does harder things. One of which the Holy Spirit calls us to repentance at times. The Holy Spirit will call to mind to us passages in the scriptures that go against our sinful nature, that remind us that as Christians, our sinful flesh and its desires are to be basically rebaptized every single day, every single day drowned. That's a hard word. To go through the Ten Commandments and elsewhere in Scripture and to be reminded of what the Holy Spirit constantly wants to do in us, enliven us to faith in Christ, but at the same time, redrown that old man in us, the old man, the old flesh. We don't like to hear that sometimes. Not at all. We're not the first. <laughs> you look through the entire Old Testament, all the Old Testament prophets were despised at some point in time. So they were the ones who brought a hard word to the people, a word of repentance. And Jeremiah today is no different. He had a hard life, Jeremiah did. His Ministry as, a, ministry as a prophet lasted well over 40 years. And he had to prophesy to the people of Israel during a very hard time in their lives. So let me give you an example of what that would be like. 
And again, this is just fictitious, okay? I'm not saying this is going to happen, so please don't stone me two years from now when you said, this didn't happen. This is an imaginary, okay, scenario. Just imagine in our country that God raises up a prophet who's a little boy, 12 years old. Doesn't think much of himself, and that doesn't matter because it's God who puts his word in the mouths of his prophets. And this little boy is told by God to prophesy that in 30 years, the United States will be invaded from an enemy up north. No, not the Canadians, the Russians. Again, I'm making this up, okay, folks? Please don't put this on YouTube or something and saying I'm saying the Russians are going to invade us. It's an example. And this boy says that when the Russians invade us from the north in 30 years, we are not to fight back. You think we Americans would go for that? Mm -mm. Someone punches us in the face, we're going to punch them back twice as hard. It's the American way. But this little boy, as the years goes on, he grows up and he continues to still proclaim that same word. And that when these Russians invade, they're going to wipe out the entire government, kill all of the men between the ages of 25 and 40. And you are not to fight them. This is God's will. Hmm. We wouldn't go for that. We'd fight back with every ounce of our strength. And as time goes on, as this little boy who was called by God at 12 years old to proclaim this hard word, as he gets older, he continues to proclaim that when these Russians come, they're going to burn every city, steal everything we have, take all of our food, and you are not to fight them. This is God's will for you. And it gets worse. Whoever's not killed is going to be taken. The women, the children, and they're all going to be slaves in Siberia. For 70 years. And this is God's will. You are not to fight it. I think we'd go for that word. We'd say, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. We'd fight against that little boy. Well, now you know what it was like for the prophet Jeremiah to grow up in Israel. Receiving a word from God that the Babylonians were going to invade in about 30 years. They were going to kill all of the men, 25 to 40, and they'd enslave everyone else and take them back to Babylon. And this was God's will. Why? Because the people of Israel had forsaken the one true God and worshipped other gods. This was repentance for the people of Israel. This is what God spoke to Jeremiah. I have put my words in your mouth. Out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. That is a hard message of repentance that the people of Israel were forewarned about. And they had to go through it. and They did. It was hard. But 70 years later, God's people were allowed to return. 
And again, it was by the working of the Holy Spirit that that word also came out. That they would be given a new life, not death. A new land wouldn't be taken from them. And it would be rich again. And they would have a chance once more to worship the one true God. And they did. We're very rarely given a word from God to that degree. And of that type of specificity. But our God continues to speak to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit, constantly reminding us of some of the greatest promises we have. Our third article, the Creed, speaks to us when it says, not only that the Holy Spirit has kept me in the true faith, in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and keeps it with Jesus Christ and the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. You see, not only does the Holy Spirit at times call us to repentance, The Holy Spirit also calls us to believe some of the greatest promises of God, especially that last part. He will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. When that day comes, and that day will come when our Lord returns, it will be the most magnificent thing you have ever seen in your life. We can't even comprehend how amazing that day will be when Christ returns and raises all the dead and gives eternal life to all of us and in Christ. But that day will come. That's a promise. And that promise is nestled in our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit, enlivened in our hearts, kindled in our hearts to give us hope that nothing in this world can give us. This unbelieving world doesn't have this hope, not at all. When they look at death, they think of it very differently than we do. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in all of us, giving us that greatest of comforts, greatest of hopes that nothing in this world can ever give us. And I pray the Holy Spirit continues to kindle that hope in you. Because it's a promise made to you yourself by Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus Christ does not lie to you. He will return. And he and he alone will give you a new life, a new body, a new soul. And we will live with him for all eternity. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.